the Recovery Executive Podcast with your host, Nick Jaworski. We bring you the business of recovery because those struggling with addiction need you to be here tomorrow as well as today. Thank you for joining me here on the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski, the CEO and owner of Circle Social Inc., a strategic marketing and consultancy firm for addiction treatment behavioral health. Today we're talking with Trey Laird. He is the owner and founder of The Lighthouse in Connecticut. It's a sober living for executives, and actually it's a series of sober livings now, as also the founder of Recovery 365, which is a peer recovery support program. So I've known Trey for a while, and he's got some excellent insights in both his kind of experience moving from Wall Street, finding recovery, and then building around his passion and how that's worked out for him. And in addition, the excellent resource that he's built with peer recovery um, support and Recovery 365 and the importance it has for both the financial viability of his business as well as the outcomes that he's getting for clients coming into his care. Before we do that, I obviously want to give a huge thank you to our sponsors. And a quick note that I personally bet anyone that comes in or any organization that comes in that wants to sponsor the Recovery Executive Podcast, and we have people on this podcast because they have value for addiction treatment providers out there. So anytime you're hearing from a sponsor, just know that you know there is not just people coming on because they are paying for sponsorships, but they're here because they provide value to people providing recovery services. Um, so our sponsor for this episode is Soberlink. Professionals like those that listen to the Recovery Executive Podcast know that technology-assisted care is improving all aspects of healthcare. Addiction treatment is no different. Soberlink is an accountability tool that's helped thousands of people in early recovery. If you haven't heard of Soberlink, it's a discrete alcohol monitoring system with real-time results and reports. You can improve your client's outcomes with the latest technology recommended by four out of five treatment providers. For a limited time and for Recovery Executive Podcast listeners, you can get a free Soberlink device by visiting www.soberlink.com free. And you'll actually be hearing a little bit more about Soberlink since the Lighthouse uses them um, for some of their clients in the Recovery 365 program. So as I mentioned, I've known Trey for a while here, and I'm very excited to have him on the podcast. When I look at recovery support services and when I look at addiction treatment across the country, something that I think we're all very clear on is that the length of time connected to treatment is incredibly important. And actually, before I started recording this, I had a family reach out to me and they were asking, you know, what is a really quality rehab that you can recommend or where should I send our loved one for treatment? My response is always that, you know, there are options out there, but it's reframing that question because many families, as we know, and even individuals are looking for a fix, right? They want to be able to go through a 30-day program, maybe a 90-day program and be cured per se from their addiction. And we all know that that's not the reality. What I want them to do when I talk to them is I reframe that and say, okay, look, there are quality addiction treatment providers out there and I can provide you with some, but the reality is that these are not fixes. And you know, as much as we might want to tell individuals that this is a fix, because that's, that's the answer they're really hoping for, we know that that's not the case, that 
a rehab and addiction treatment facility is really the starting point of a recovery journey. And what a good treatment provider does is it provides a foundation for that individual to find recovery as it works for their life. And so peer recovery support is such an important part of that and something that traditionally has not really been focused on within the rehab model because it's hard to make it financially viable. And so why I really wanted to talk to Trey is he has found a way in his program to make peer recovery support that is both beneficial to patients and clients coming in, but also is financially sustainable. And that's the insight that I think is gonna help listeners today is to be able to extend that quality of care in a way that is not hurting the bottom line so that you can continue to care as the focus of this podcast always is, not being here just today, but being here tomorrow. So with that, let's listen to Trey's experience and let, uh, let's have him walk us through how he has made this program so successful. Audience, a little bit about who you are and The Lighthouse. Sure, thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me on. I'm Trey Laird. I'm the founder and CEO of The Lighthouse and Recovery 365. We're based in New Canaan, Connecticut. And uh, we opened our first sober living in 2016 and Recovery 365 coaching and monitoring um, was an outgrowth of guys who were leaving The Lighthouse and wanted to continue working with our coaches. And that started in 2017. So we actually haven't had someone that just really focused on the sober living world as well as the recovery coaching world. So can you tell us a little bit more just about the specifics of your program? Because it is pretty unique. You know, it's focused on executives in the New Canaan area and maybe connect that to your background as well. Yeah, sure. Um, I was uh, 38 years old when I was um, when I entered treatment in New Canaan, Connecticut, at Silver Hill Hospital. I was addicted to Oxycontin and um you know, spent 33 days there. And when I left, my wife uh, told me not to come home and I didn't really have anywhere to go. The social worker there suggested going to a sober living home. I love the idea of that. And then she told me I should go to Florida or California because that was where um, sober living uh, for me were, were located as, a, uh, as, a, as an executive. And I said that didn't really work for me. So that sort of always stuck in my head as a poor solution to a pretty common problem. And um, that was 2008. So 2016, um, we opened specifically for um, you know older guys, 30 and up, who have come out of the 30-day program, who are looking for that next step after treatment and getting you know sort of connected in recovery in the tri-state area. So we have pretty deep relationships to recovery resources in Connecticut, in New York, in New Jersey, and you know that's where all of our clients are um, are based. And um, so. You know, we believe it's really important to recover uh, with like-minded people, with people that you can identify with, with people that whose lives uh, and paths look similar to your own. So, you know, we think it would be difficult for a 65-year-old guy to be living in a house with a 23-year-old guy. Um, and and so, you know, we specifically said, you know, sort of 30 and up is where we're going to be. And um, I, I was surprised that it was so... Um, um, unique uh but I, I can tell you now sort of four or five years in that um we get uh really positive feedback about our milieu about our demographic about um sticking to what we do and and, and um so 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 far it's been it's been pretty rewarding great so i 
want to get into the recovery coaching component of things here, but I just like something that you said, and this is something I often talk about the podcast or with clients, is the fact that you have a pretty specific niche, right? You're currently working with men over the age of 30. You know, they tend to be high executive level. And so a lot of people would say, well, you're narrowing your market down. There's all these other potential people. And you're saying, no, it's actually served us well by being really focused on who we serve and, and serving them well. Can you just speak to that a little bit more about how that's worked out for you? Yeah, I, I mean, you're exactly right. And you and I have discussed this in the past, Nick. It's like, you know, why try and be um, the jack of all trades when you can be the best at, at what you do and what you bring to the table? And that was our focus from day one. And, and it came out of our own lived experiences. My partners and I were all guys who got sober in our late 30s, early 40s when we were married with kids and a job and sort of had, you know, went through early recovery and, and um, you know, treatment and, and getting then getting connected in early recovery uh, with, you know, jobs and, and, and kids and all of the responsibilities that come with that. And so, you know, we don't really have any lived experience about what it's like to get sober as a college kid or what it's like to get sober as a 23 year old, you know, that was not our path. And so for us to, um, to uh, tell people that we were really good at guiding those kind of people would have been, um, would have been silly. So, you know, we, we stuck to what we know, we stuck to what um, we were good at, and, and it served as well. I will, I will clarify one thing is that we do have our, our coaching program is for women, and we have a lot of women in our coaching program, but it's, again, it's the same demographic. It's generally older and um, professional, and, and uh, um, you know, we, we see the same thing in, in our women's coaching program, and when we open our women's house, it'll likely be the same demographic there. Yeah, so I, th- I think I want to comment on two things you said. One, the fact that you were good at it, right? Or that's what you knew and knew you could do well. So rather than saying, hey, we're just going to try and serve everybody, even though if we're not necessarily really good at serving them, is a big mistake that a lot of providers make. Um, but you've actually provided a fantastic example of saying, look, this is who we are. This is what we know. And because we know this, we're able to do a better job, which will help us grow as a business. And you have, right? So you started off with one house and now you're expanding to your second. And as you just mentioned, you have a a women's house and a women's program coming up as well. Correct? Yeah, that's, that's right. And, 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 you know, the, the recovery 365 coaching program, as I mentioned, was a, was a direct outgrowth of our residents living in the house, getting connected, doing well, working with guys. Our, all of our staff are certified recovery coaches already. So they were leaving the house saying, you know, I'm ready to move on and, and move back in with my family or move back into my, my place. But I want to stay working with this coach because this coach has been, you know, instrumental in my, in my recovery thus far. And why would I cut that off at this point? And so, um, you know, the, 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 the coaching program um, sort of was the easy next step. And, and now we have 80% of our guys that live at the house and they're going into the coaching program for an average of five months. And, and all that's, all this adds up to better outcomes and guys, you know, and women staying sober for longer periods of time post treatment. And that's a big increase, right? Because I, I, if I remember right, like the first time we connected on this, you maybe only had like 20% in the Recovery 365 program. So it's grown quite well. Yeah, it's pretty much the standard operating procedure now, and guys will talk about it, you know, who are living at the house, you know, like, of course, I'm going to do 365, because the other thing that that 365, our recovery coaching program stresses, is the idea that you should be coming back to the lighthouse for dinner and for fellowship events and whatever else is going on, um, 
as a as a as a part of your recovery. And so, you know, we have a Sunday night house meeting, and and um, you know, alumni and recovery three sixty five clients are always welcome at that. And you know, I, I've had guys tell me that they don't go to any other meetings on a weekly basis except for that Sunday night meeting. That's what's keeping them connected and plugged in. That that's their community. And um, so, I, I think that that's going to just keep continuing to happen. Hmm. So there's a couple interesting aspects about your recovery program and the recovery support coaches that you guys employ in particular. So one of them was that it's very focused locally. And we've talked about this quite a bit before, I think on this episode and both of us in private in terms of the advantages of having locally based recovery support networks. But can you tell us a little bit about the motivation behind that decision? Yeah. So our recovery coaches are based, um, you know, all over the tri-state area. So think about that as, you know, lower Fairfield County, um, Westchester, New York City, Manhattan, Brooklyn, um, Long Island, um, you know, Upper Jersey. And so, you know, all of our coaches are very uh, plugged into their own local recovery communities, whether that is the Upper East Side of Manhattan or Bronxville or, um, you know, Greenwich or wherever they may be. And And the reason that that's important is because, you know, as, as, as a person who's coming out of treatment or who's just getting, you know, sort of their, um, you know, just, just getting sober, they need uh, somebody who can be that, that advocate and resource broker in their local community. And so, um, you know, for example, what, what are good meetings? What are good uh, therapists? Is there a good uh, recovery-friendly gym? Is there a good, you know, uh, uh, recovery-friendly employers? And, and sort of all those local resources uh, that people need in early recovery that, you know, if you go to treatment um, you know, somewhere else, that those people are going to struggle to be able to set you up with. And so all of our coaches, men and women, are very um, familiar with their local recovery resources. And I think that, that you know, getting our, their client, helping to get their clients connected early on is, uh, is a hallmark of what the Lighthouse coaches do. I think it's so important because just like you said, when we're dealing with destination rehabs and people are flying away for treatment, it, you know, despite good intentions, it's very, very hard to provide really quality information and guidance, you know, for a locale that's, you know, 2,000 miles away from the center. So I, I love the fact that you guys are so focused on finding someone that's knowledgeable in the community where your clients are coming from, because it's just going to aid them so much in their recovery. Um, another aspect that you bring into the hiring process is you look for people with similar backgrounds. So you work with a lot of executives and high-powered professionals. So you look for peer recovery support coaches from the same background. So you've touched on it a little bit, but can you explain that philosophy a little bit more um, in depth? Yeah, Nick, it's really important, and I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, so so you know, our recovery coaches are generally older men and women who have had um, professional careers. Um, they've had, uh, you know, risen to high levels professionally, corporate jobs, they've had marriages, they've had divorces, they've had kids, they've, they've had kids go off to college, they've, you know, taken care of older parents, they've had just a lot more life experience. And what that brings to our uh, clients is this mass amount of living experience, lived experience that the coach can bring to that relationship. And so since our clients' average age is, you know, mid-40s, um, you know, they, they want and uh, they want to have a coach that has had 
the similar lived experience that knows what it's like to go through a divorce, that knows what it's like to be a single dad, that knows what it's like to, you know, be the CFO of a Fortune 100 company and be thinking about taking a new job in early sobriety. Uh, and our coaches are people that have done that, that have lived that. They're not just speculating. They, they, that's the lives that they have led. And so we recruit and, um, and, and look for coaches that, um, you know, have had that lived experience and can match up uh, demographically with our clients. And then going back to what we just talked about before, but you know who you serve and you focus on building systems and processes and value that serve those people. So rather than saying, you know, going out and, and hiring, you know, some 25 to 30 year old peer recovery coaches, you know, at 15 to $18 an hour, nothing wrong with that, but it's not going to be as much of a value for your clients. And so you're really focused, you're really honed in, and that value has built your reputation. And that's why people come to you. That's why people engage in your programs, because it provides so much value for them. Yeah, yeah. you hit the nail on the head, Nick. And I, I mean, I get phone calls, we get phone calls from, from you know, um, parents of 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds, and they want to figure out if, they, if, that, if their son can uh, can come into the lighthouse and, and I, and, you know, I just tell them it's not the right spot. You know, they'll feel out of place. And, um, um, so, you know, we can refer and recommend where, where, what would be a good, a good, you know, aftercare option for those guys. But, you know, that's just not what we do. And, um, and it's important to stick to your knitting, you know, it, it's, it's got, you got to know what, what, you know, what your demographic is. I was a, I was a Wall Street equities trader for 22 years. You know, the guy I co-founded with was a Wall Street equities trader for 30 years. So, you know who our first clients were? Wall Street equity traders. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Right. I mean, but that's where you got to start. That's what works, you know? Very important. So, obviously, though, a lot of these people coming and supporting from the recovery coach and probably don't have a recovery support coach background. So, what's the training process look like? Who are you looking for when you hire people? Yeah. So this is how it all evolved for, for, for the lighthouse, which is, you know, we're just lucky. And it's one of those God moments that, um, the, uh, CCAR, which is the, um, Connecticut community for addiction and recovery. It's about an hour away from, from us. Um, and a guy named Phil Valentine had, had written the, the uh, core curriculum for becoming a recovery coach and, and CCAR is now trained over, you know, tens of thousands or help train over tens of thousands of recovery coaches. And so I sent all of our staff uh, up to uh, take the recovery coach training. And, and that's still the most widely accepted recovery coach training nationally. I mean, Phil has done a great job of training other trainers uh, to be able to take that back home uh, to wherever they may be and start to train their own um, uh, uh, breed of, of recovery coaches. And um, it's not a very difficult training. It's 60 hours total. And then a, uh, there could be a test, and some of the states have started to um, to search, you know, to, to license it, um, and some of them haven't. And you know, I, I do think over time they'll probably be uh, a little bit, it'll be harder to become a recovery coach. But you know, what you're really bringing to the relationship as a recovery coach is going to be your lived experience. And so, um, you know, we look for guys that have the lived experience that match what our clients are looking for, right? So it's going to be those older men and women who've, you know, had uh, lots of ups and downs in their life and experience and um, a lot of sobriety and recovery and, and, uh, and be able to bring that to our clients. I think a question for listeners is going to be, well, okay, so you're hiring recovery coaches that have similar executive level experience potentially. And I mean, they're maybe looking at making six figure, maybe seven figure salaries. Why do they want to work as a recovery coach at this point in their lives? 
because the yardstick that they um, that they're uh, valuing their life with has changed. Um, you know, I, I've shared this with you um, and other people privately. You know, I didn't leave Wall Street to come into uh, addiction and, and recovery to make more money. Um, I, I knew that, uh, you know, at least at the beginning that we would make less. But, um, you know, sort of my yardstick for how I'm doing uh, is how many people have we been able to help versus how much money's on the W-2. And, you know, I don't want to simplify it too much, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of our coaches that um, have had successful careers um, that have done super well. Uh, but, you know, at this point in their lives, um, they're more interested in getting in, in the trenches and trying to help somebody else. And um, they understand that, 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 you know, the remuneration for that today may be a lot less financially, but, you know, what, what it's going to bring you personally um, and in your heart can be uh, significantly more. So you have them going through the CCAR. In addition to that, is there more training that you guys are providing on site? Yeah, so, you know, about once a month or once a quarter, we'll have uh, um, all staff uh, trainings. It might be a additional, um, you know, module on motivational interviewing. It may be, um, you know, suicide prevention. It might be, uh, you know, um, mental health. It, it could be any number of things. But I, I do believe over the time that it's important for uh, at least the Lighthouse Recovery Coaches to continue to further their education um, and, and keep, you know, keep moving forward. So we do provide uh, additional, um, you know, modules. And, then, and again, as, as the recovery coaching industry sort of um, broadens out, I think you'll see a lot more really interesting uses, right? Like, I mean, you know, I, I, I could see recovery coaches in, um, in assisted living facilities. I could see uh, recovery coaches on um, NFL teams, right? I could see recovery coaches in, um, you know, at, at uh, on trading desks. I could see recovery. There's just so many different uses for um, the eyes and ears of a recovery coach that, um, that will come to light, you know, probably pretty shortly. And it's not just going to be for people that are coming out of treatment. It's going to be for people who haven't even thought about treatment yet. Um, or, you know, at, at all stages of the continuum. I mean, one thing that I think is really interesting to think about, Nick, is like what we see is that transition in life always creates a little bit of a, a little bit of a of a risky period. So think about you know you know moving from Chicago to Washington D.C. for a new job. Well, that person should probably engage a recovery coach in Washington D.C. immediately to help you through that transition and get them plugged in from a recovery standpoint. Think about. Um, somebody that's getting uh, married. Um, think about someone who's getting divorced. Think about somebody that's retiring. Think about somebody that is, um, you know, at any sort of life change is the important time. And we've had these clients that have engaged us and worked with us, have a recovery coach, checking in with you on a daily basis, helping you build a schedule, helping you with this, you know, navigating this, this period of time that, that, you know, what you and I both know is if you don't get any help and you sort of put your head in the sand, you're going to end up uh, with a drink in your hand. And then you might end up with a much worse outcome back at treatment, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, definitely. So let's look at the business model of this a little bit. Currently is insurance reimbursing any, any of these peer recovery support sessions or any of the work that they do? Um, so, so I, I, the answer is, I don't know. I've, I've heard at some conferences that they may be um, Medicaid may be, um, reimbursing for what they call case management, but um, we don't submit to insurance and, and we don't, you know, expect to have it be a, uh, a billable uh, event 
you know, in the next couple of years. Having said that, I believe that uh, as the data um, accumulates and, and, and insurance companies are looking again at, um, at um, bundled services, you know, and, and, um, and value-based care, that like there's no way that they can consider a, a bundled payment system without a recovery coach involved in it. So, um, you know, down the road, I absolutely think that uh, recovery coaching will be part of the insurance mix. And so on your end for your business model, like what percentage of your revenue is coming from the recovery and coaching aspect of things now? Right now it's 30%, but I think that we think that's going to 50% in the next 18 months. So that's pretty significant because I'm assuming that it's not, um, you know, it's not a high cost model, right? Compared to the sober living facilities, you know, which I assume are going to be probably more expensive. So you, is it, would you consider it to be a volume um, in terms of business operations? in terms of success or is it just a pricing model? How do you guys figure that out? Yeah, I mean, we, we, so by the way, we think it's incredibly important to have the home in the community to sort of put the flagpole there and make sure that people know, because, because again, you know, the, the coaching program is at its core one-on-one uh, -on -one with the coach, but having that ability to have that client come over for dinner at the lighthouse or do have some, you know, fellowship events there or whatever it may be is not nothing, right? Like it's, it's a pretty big add on to, uh, and a differentiator. I don't know of any other coaching programs that, uh, have a, you know, a beautiful, uh, 11,000 square foot home on five acres where they're serving dinner Monday through Friday. Right. <laughs> and you can just pop in for dinner. Um, but over time, you know, we, we believe that there will be, you know, kind of four or five X the number of people in, in any, any given community that are in our coaching program as opposed to living in our house. Um, but you got to have you got to have the house as, as again, as your flagpole, as your as your stake in the ground and, and your entree into the local into the local recovery community, you know, and we, we really believe in local leadership, too. Right. And that's what, you know, where where treatment programs are going to struggle is. You know, if you're a treatment program in, in um, you know, Arizona, then, you know, how are you going to, unless you were going to go, you know, build a clubhouse in, in, in New York or, or Westchester or wherever, you know, how are you going to, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to struggle to create sort of that um, alumni or that, that, uh, you know, that, that group, that community feel that we're able to create uh, at, at the lighthouse. So, um, you know, margins obviously in the sober living business are significantly lower than they are in the coaching business, but we wouldn't attract the coaching clients that we do if we didn't have the house. So that's a question based on, you said that the house is kind of a flagpole on the ground. Do you have people utilizing the peer recovery support coaching services that did not stay at the sober living? Absolutely. I mean, we've got, we've got, you know, um, women coaching clients already that, have, you know, we, and our women's house isn't open. So, you know, we've, uh, we definitely have, uh, I would say, 50% of our coaching clients never lived in the White House. Hmm. So what's the value for them? And that number that is going to grow. Sure. What's the value for them? What are clients coming to you and saying, hey, we heard about this program, you know, we're attracted to it. What attracts them to the recovery support coaching? What attracts them is the ability to, to get connected and plugged in locally after they finish treatment. So if a guy goes to treatment in California and then he flies back here to New York City, it doesn't necessarily mean he knows anybody or anything about the recovery community on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. 
but we do, right? And so you come into the, uh, the lighthouse and, and our Recovery 365 program, and all of a sudden you've got a coach that you're meeting twice a week that knows everything and anything about the uh, recovery resource on the Upper East Side of New York City. So that's the attraction. I mean, even if you're doing an outpatient program or seeing a therapist, you're going to their campus, right? You're going to the, the IOP at their office as opposed to the coach who is coming to meet you at your, at, you know, wherever you want that meeting to take place and, and, and sort of talking to you about what's your plan and what, you know, how can I help you? The IOP is just going to be a continuation of what you've had in treatment, a lot of group. And, and it's not, it's not, that it's not important, but you know, the, 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 the group coordinator at the IOP is not walking down the street with you in Manhattan trying to, you know, uh, walk you through the idea of what's it like when you walk past that bar that you used to stop into every single day on your way home from work. But the recovery coach absolutely is doing that with you. So I'm curious, are there, what's the communication like with other treatment centers? So if they're coming from a treatment center across the country in California or Phoenix, for example, and then they, they come to you for the recovery support coaching, are you able to liaise with those centers with discharge plans or other relevant information? Yeah, we ask for a release from the client so that we can get all the discharge and any other information that we can gather, any background information that may be important. Um, and. 90% of the time, that's not an issue. That's not a problem. If a guy's coming in, if a guy or a woman's coming into our, our coaching program, they want us to be equipped with all the pertinent information about where they've come from and what they've gone through. Uh, and we also like to collaborate with the, you know, local uh, providers like an ILP or, or a therapist or a psychiatrist and family members as well. In fact, our big initiative for next year is going to be um, family recovery coaching. So when a client comes in, um, you know, the wife or spouse or family or other, you know, family stakeholders will immediately have their own recovery coach provided by the lighthouse as well. Not the same one, but uh, our family, we're going to, we're going to groom family recovery coaches to do the same thing as our coaches do with the clients, but with the family. Hmm. Okay. So tell, tell me about the logistics here. What exactly is a recovery coach doing on a day-to-day or a weekly pace, or a basis with the patients or clients? Yeah. So, you know, as I said, if a guy's, if a guy's coaching, you know, eight guys, then he's got, you know, 16 meetings a week with, uh, you know, with those, with, with those clients. And then he's checking in with each guy on a daily basis. And, um, you know, sort of like, you know, pretty normal situation where you'll have, you know, a couple guys doing really well and a couple guys kind of, you know, um, on autopilot and a couple guys that are struggling and, and needing to figure out, you know, how to, how to change plans or change tact and, and get them, I'm sturdy. Um, and, uh, you know, then over and above that, we ask our recovery coaches to be leaders in the local recovery community. And so, you know, um, that can mean uh, starting a, a local uh, recovery hockey league, or that could mean, you know, just sort of being out there and, and promoting recovery um, in, again, in the, you know, assisted living facility or in the high school or doing whatever we can to, um, um, promote and, and uh, make recovery visible in their local reco- in their local communities. And, you know, somehow it ends up taking up a, well, usually the feedback we get from our coaches is I've never worked so hard. Um, <laughs> and I've never had, I've never had this much fun, you know? Okay. So it sounds like they've got about, let's say two hours of coaching um, per client per week. So that's 16 hours of coaching. And then there's the daily calls and the check-ins and then there's a the work with the community. So are they working full-time on this? Is it more of a part-time basis? Like how much time does it take to handle those responsibilities? Yeah, right now I'd say, you know, a third of our coaches are full-time, a third of them are part-time. And, um, 
and a third of them are even less than part-time, right? Like they're, they're actually coaching one or two cases for us while they have another job. And, um, you know, so they, you know, you can sort of do it on the, as a side gig, right? Hmm. And what is oversight or what does management look like? Do you have like a director of peer recovery support coaches that's managing that team or how yes. does that work out? We do. We do. So, um, Cynthia Shaw is the uh, executive director of Recovery 365. She hires coaches and she supervises coaches. And so she meets with each coach on a weekly basis to sort of go through where they're at uh, on their cases, as well as, you know, how they're doing themselves. Because what we know is that if our coaches aren't taking care of themselves, they're certainly not going to be able to take care of their clients or our clients. So, you know, Cindy's really focused in on um, self-care and, and making sure that uh, everybody's, you know, taking care of, of, of themselves in, in order to, you know, get best care for, for our clients. Okay. And then, I mean, you're a Wall Street guy. So what are the KPIs for that role? For which? For the peer recovery support role. Like what, the director of peer recovery support, like what KPIs are they looking at or what outcomes are they looking at and tracking for whether it's the you know output, the effort that the people are putting in, or any kind of outcomes that you guys have on the back end. Yeah, I mean a lot. A lot of it's going to be feedback from the client on um, you know on, on on what the client is saying about their coach, and then you know obviously some of it is how they're doing. But I can tell you pretty pretty emphatically that you can, you cannot judge a coach just based on are their clients. Uh, staying sober or not right like it's just it's that's not a it's not a fair yardstick because you just never know um and, and and so you know i think i think the most important um you know qualities of that coach to have is the ability to listen the ability to um you know be uh uh non-judgmental right like our coaches are usually the ones when a guy does have a slip up um they, they're going to find out about it first and mostly usually that's because they've developed this rapport with the client that says, you know, I'm your advocate, I'm your friend, I'm your problem solver. And so, you know, there'll be absolutely no judgment, A, and B, I'm going to help you get through this. And so to the extent, um, you know, that that's important, which we think it is, um, you know, the best coaches are the ones that can think quickly on their feet, that never have any expectations for what the day is going to bring when they wake up in the morning, that are taking care of themselves and their families as best that they can. Um, and that are, you know, always keeping abreast of, of new recovery resources in their own community. Like, you know, new therapist comes into town or a new yoga studio opens up and goes in and meets with that person and says, hey, this is what we do here. This is this is my name. And and um, and tell me how I can, you know, tell me how we can work together. Right. And so, you know, those are sort of the, the things that make coaches the, the, the better, co- the good coaches, the better ones. You made a distinction before we got on the air here that. Uh, a recovery coach is not a sponsor. So let's say that someone's struggling and they need to reach out. Are they reaching out to the recovery coach? Is that part of their program or would they still reach out like to a sponsor or someone else? Yeah. So let me, um, recovery coach is not a sponsor. Let's say that, you know, pretty emphatically. Um, William White has a great piece that I would, uh, I would, um, recommend reading. And it's just simply titled the difference between a uh, therapist a recovery coach and a sponsor and it you know takes you through sort of experiences and examples of what each of those roles looks like um so uh our coaches are pathway agnostic and what that means is we believe there's multiple pathways to recovery in fact um there's this multiple pathways of recovery conference coming up this week in in uh, punta gorda florida that the team is going down to and you know what that means is like 
you know, not AA isn't for everybody and, 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 um, and 12 steps aren't for everybody. I know guys that have stayed sober, um, through getting connections in church. I know guys that have stayed sober through, um, you know, starting a running club. I know guys that have stayed sober, um, through multiple different ways other than the 12 step community. And our coaches are, um, are there, uh, to sort of, um, you know, have, have other opportunities for people to look at other than AA and, um, you know, while, while AA might be really good in New Canaan, Connecticut, it might not be as good in other places. And we've had, you know, bad stories about people having bad experiences in AA the first time they went, and then they never go back, right? And so that's always going to be the problem with 12 Steps. Um, and um, and that's fine. Um, but, there, you know, there has to be a recognition among our coaches that there's lots of different ways to get sober and stay sober. And, um, you know, hopefully tomorrow morning we'll wake up and find a new one and, um, and keep adding to our, our arsenal. And so just kind of clarifying that a little bit closely. So again, like where do you see their peer recovery support coach versus the sponsor? Like how do you differentiate those roles? Right. So the sponsor is always working within the framework of, of the 12 steps. And so the sponsor, um, is always, you know, bringing it back to, uh, you know, the, the, the big book text and, 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 um, and the literature and, the, and, the tw- and, you know, sort of steps one through 12, whereas um, the peer uh, advocate, it may, you know, may be uh, suggesting um, a meeting, but he also might be suggesting, you know, yoga, maybe suggesting uh, meditation, maybe suggesting other things outside of, of AA that uh, may be, um, beneficial to the client and 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 i know what you're going to say next you're going to say well some sponsors do that right they'll they'll some sponsors will tell people like you should go to the gym or you might want to think about meditation and 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 um you're right but some sponsors don't right and so it's sort of like the flip of the coin and you and i have talked about this about the you know you don't know what you're getting when you ask you how to be your sponsor you just don't and um and so there's no oversight there's no supervision there's no um you know there's no program that uh is going to you know, redirect you if you end up with the wrong sponsor. Yeah, yeah. And then how does it work with uh, maybe, for lack of a better term, like the crisis calls, you know, so if it's 2 a.m. and someone's struggling and they need to reach out, are they calling the peer recovery support specialist at that point or would they reach out to someone else? No, they call the, they call the coach. Um, I need help. That, you know, that doesn't happen never, but it, um, it, it you know, it does happen. And our, our coaches are, you know, ready for that call. Um, in fact, sometimes we get, we have a heads up that there's a crisis in motion before they even call because all of our clients use Soberlink. And so, you know, if you have a missed test at 10 at 10 PM and then you have another missed test at 7 AM, well now, you know, that's definitely going to um, prompt a call from the coach to the client saying, Hey buddy, you've now created a, a period of time, a window of time where you could very easily be drunk. And you know, how you doing? What's going on? Cause um, you know, that, that's the benefit of Soberlink as far as we're concerned is, is the, the accountability and, um, you know, yeah, we, we get the heads up on, the, on a potential relapse before, you know, before it, it could happen or before we hear about it. So our coaches know all the local resources when it comes to uh, detox or hospitals and have relationships with people in those hospitals and those detoxes where, you know, we can facilitate an entry pretty quickly. We had a guy you know, a couple of months back that was, you know, went from his apartment drunk to um, ascend and detox in New York City in probably 45 minutes. Door oh. to door. Okay. And for the Soberlin component, are they, are they using that voluntarily or is that built into the Recovery 365 program? 
Yeah, so it is part of the 365 program, and it's standard. Um, from time to time, we'll have a client opt out of it. We always recommend it at the start. Um, there's no reason not to. Um, having said that, again, you know, there are, are, are a handful of people that will say, I'd rather not do that. Um, but the reason we like it so much is, again, it's a third-party sort of, uh, um, at least for alcohol, you know, truth teller and um, and um, measure in place that isn't, you know, isn't uh, your word against my word. We know, right? Yeah, yeah, it provides an extra level of accountability. So you've got this potential for, you know, late night calls and you talked about making sure you're talking with your peer recovery support coaches and making sure that they're okay, right? Because this stuff gets pretty emotionally intense sometimes. You said that there was a caseload of about maybe eight patients. Would you that would you say that's the maximum, or is that just the average that you guys have? No, I would say that's where that's where people are maxing out right now. Um, the average is probably closer to three or four. Um, so you know, we do really intensive coaching. I don't know anyone else that does it the way we do it, and um, you know, we'll sort of uh, continue to hone our our program and, and our protocols over time. And, and, you know, the number of people that you could support could potentially go higher, I guess. Um, it, it's probably not going to go lower, obviously, you know, from a business standpoint, we're incentivized to figure out how to, um, you know, figure out that, that balance for, for each coach. Um, but what we know is that, you know, we, we want the best coaches. We want guys and, and women who, uh, who our clients keep, you know, signing up with because of the, um, the benefit they see to their recovery through working with them. So, you know, we're really not going to compromise. We want them to make, we want to make sure that they're, you know, getting every, every resource that they can and, and support that they can. And we're never going to overwork anybody. And how are you finding these people? So we mentioned hiring kind of way back in the beginning, but you know, it's different than putting in ads in Craigslist or ZipRecruiter, right? When you're looking for an executive level, um, especially someone that wants to commit their time to this, how do you go about the hiring process? Yeah, Nick, I mean, we've been really lucky so far and, and, you know, total, total honesty. Everyone, people call us and say, you know, I love what you guys do. I love what I'm reading. I love what I'm hearing. You know, can I, do you have space? And, um, uh, we've never placed an ad. We've never, um, you know, used a, uh, uh, you know, a, a recruiter, um, People have generally not people. One hundred percent of the time have have found us. Now I think you know over time that that uh, it will become a little bit more difficult as we extend our reach a little bit. So we you know if we want to make sure that we have a rock star uh, recovery coach on the north shore of Long Island, well you know we might have to wave the flag a little bit and say hey you know let's shake the tree and say you know what what do we got out here? Um, if we want to find somebody you know in uh, you know, who, who knows, right? Like in any part of town that's, you know, the further we get away from New Canaan, Connecticut, the more we're going to have to, you know, tap our, our, you know, our local, I mean, our, our recovery connections that we have in other, uh, in other geographies and say, Hey, you know, this is what we do. Do you, can you think of anyone that might be a good fit for us? Hmm. So two questions. One, um, are these people coming to you and they already have a certification or they're talking to you and then you send them through the CCAR? It's 50, 50. Um, some of the people have already gotten out in front of it and they like the idea of recovery coaching. So they've gone ahead and gotten their certification and other people, um, you know, say, you know, I, I have nothing, um, except for my lived experience. And, uh, I would love to, you know, uh, go down the path with you and, um, we help them get, uh, trained up and, and, um, you know, pointed in the right direction. And, um, um, and, uh, you know, they come out the other end to us, you know, usually 
six to eight weeks later, ready to roll. Hmm. Okay. So then question two, obviously, always interested in the marketing. <laughs> are you doing something specific? Is it word of mouth that you think is driving that? Or are you guys getting into specific publications? Are you doing local sponsorships? Where do they hear about you from? Yeah. Yeah, Nick, I, it's so funny. I, 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 um, I didn't really have a marketing plan when, uh, when we opened in 2016. I just thought I would call Silver Hill Hospital, uh, which is five minutes away, and say, hey, we're open. So uh, start sending all your um, discharging uh, mails over to us. And, and they pretended uh, I, I didn't get the reception I thought I was going to get over there. And um, so I realized that I needed to start to spread the word. And then and sort of the next step was trying to figure out, well, where do business executives and professionals go to treatment? And, um, you know, I pretty quickly, you know, had a list of, you know, a dozen places that, that may uh, attract that, that business executive. And I got on a plane and I went to visit all of them. And, you know, respectfully, when I was visiting those properties, I was doing a lot more learning about their program as opposed to, um, you know, talking about the lighthouse. Uh, but as we started to build a relationship, then, um, you know, they, they to, to a T, all of them said, you know, Trey, there's nobody, there's nobody that's doing aftercare or coaching or sober living for this demographic. It just doesn't exist. And so that, you know, uh, emboldened me to keep going down the path. And, and then what happened was... Um, you know, we started to get some press, um, you know, New York Times did an article, Business Week did an article, uh, and um, uh, Forbes. And so, you know, started to sort of started to, um, to sort of kick in a little bit because, you know, it, it was there isn't anybody doing what we do for our demographic. And so I guess long winded way of saying I haven't had to do a ton of marketing. Um, uh, you know, will that ramp up as we grow? Maybe, probably. I mean, I think that you know, we we uh, we build relationships with um, you know thirty day treatment programs that that um, that our that our clientele that our clients go to, but we also build relationships within the local recovery communities that we serve, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. And what happens is, you know, <laughs> the other day I got a call from a Wall Street, an old Wall Street buddy of mine who I've been friends with for thirty years, and he said, "Hey, dude, I just gave your phone number to my buddy. He's going to call you. He needs your help." And um, Sure enough, that guy called within five minutes and, you know, moved in a week later. So, you know, I, I kind of think that there's there's going to be a lot of that organic boots on the ground type of marketing that's going to continue. And we're not trying to, you know, serve uh, uh, Chicago or Atlanta or Cleveland today. Right. You know, I, I wouldn't expect um, to be able to make a dent in those types of markets. But, you know, where we're operating, um, people are going to know who we are and um, pe- people are going to know we have a good reputation and that we um, we do good work and, and that we get decent results and they're going to know what our demographic is. So, you know, I'm just going to, we're going to keep going down that line for now and, um, you know, sort of it's been working so far. So why would I screw with it? Yeah. And what's the average length of stay for both the sober living and in the recovery 365 program? So the average length of stay in the sober living is 111 days. And the average length of stay in the coaching program is 130 days. So, you know, you put those two together, which is a normal, uh, a normal course for any of our clients. And you're, you know, if they're coming to us with 30 days of uh, of treatment, you're getting them pretty close to celebrating that one year of continuous sobriety. And um, you know, that's why we call it Recovery 365. Is you know, we think that first year is incredibly important, and yet almost all treatment services end, you know, 30 days plus someone goes to an ILP, get another six weeks. So who's picking up the slack? 
yeah. beyond that period, right? Yeah. We right. think we are. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I, mean, I was out there, what, was it this year? It was this year, wasn't it? It was like March. It was early summer, maybe? Yeah, it was yeah. something. It was a little chilly. But, you know, it was impressive. You know, I've been to, a lot, obviously, a ton of recovery centers, and uh, a lot of them have, have nice houses, right? You know, but they don't have it for sober living, and then they don't have it particularly for, like you said, the executive demographic. If they did, they would have a model where they're trying to fly people in from across the country. But you took that and moved it around and said, we're just going to focus locally. And you, obviously, you're in a good area for that. You know, if you're in Southern Kentucky, it might not be um, the most viable business model. But being obviously, you know, kind of north of New York there and in an area where you have a lot of executives who work and live, it ends up being a very good model, especially when you have them able to stay for long periods of time. So I think you were just kind of very intelligent in some of the choices that you made and some of the gaps that you filled and seeing what was needed and what wasn't being offered. And you found that through your own experience. So it's just been really impressive what you've been able to do in such a short time. Nick, I appreciate it. And, and it was great when you were out here visiting. Um, you know, you're a guy that kicks the tires at a lot of places. And, and so I appreciate the, uh, the compliment. I think, you know, going back to what we talked about originally was it was like you know this the, the lighthouse was literally born out of my own personal experience right i went to treatment i had a good i had a good job i, I was married i had kids um i was not in a space where i wanted to or, or could you know take more than 30 days 33 days off from work and so um you know there was really nothing for me here and you know our guys you know the typical client coming into the lighthouse on a, on a friday is going back to work on monday and we want to be able to support that and um and know that there's going to be a lot of balls in the air and, and scheduling is extremely important. And that's what the coach is going to, you know, really hammer home with you is, you know, uh, how to set, how to fit everything in. Um, but, th but that's, that's, what's key. That is being, is knowing that you can, you can do it all and you can stay sober. And uh, every day that a guy stays sober, it gets a little bit easier the next day to stay sober. And so um, it, it's, uh, it's been just a ton of fun. And, and I think some of it's been, uh, coincidence or you know god moving the pieces around the chessboard to sort of make this opportunity possible for us and we're just excited to see where we go from here that's great yeah i just had a flashback to my own life i mean this is my first day back in the office in three weeks i've just been flying around constantly for three weeks <laughs> so, what do you say you know trying to fit everything in i'm like yeah god <laughs> always hey, a nick, challenge nick you might need a recovery nick you might need a recovery <laughs> yeah, you know. right right i will definitely reach out to you when i do um, so yeah, and yeah, happy, but I'm so glad that we could fit this in, you know, because we've been planning this for a little bit here and, um, it's been a great conversation. So Trey, if people want to reach out to you or find out more, um, what's the best way to get in touch? Uh, our website is the lighthouse ct.com and, um, lots of explanation of both of our residential as well as our recovery 365 program is there. Um, you can always me directly email me my email is trey t-r-e-y at the lighthouse ct.com and um yeah look forward to hearing from anybody and everybody all right Jay, well i really appreciate you coming on great insights and for all their listeners out there as always this is recovery executive podcast and i'm your host nick jaworski ceo of circle social appreciate you and looking forward to connecting next time